Hi everyone. Welcome to Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction. Welcome, welcome to part two of our two-part series, just two parts, on the Panacea Society. If you remember last time, we talked a little bit about the early life of Mabel Baltrop. We whizzed back through history to talk about Joanna Southcott, the prophetess who told of the coming end of days, and we drank some tasty drinks. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would recommend you do so before listening to this one. There's quite a lot of sort of religious chat and frankly this won't make sense if you haven't heard the first part so go back just pop back now and listen to that one and then you can come back in for part two I've also written a small blog piece on our Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction website ruthisstranger.co.uk and that's got some of the photographs that I took when I went to the Panacea Museum earlier this year and it's got a bit of the information that I couldn't squeeze in to our jabbering conversation about the Panaceans and it also is probably a little bit clearer on some of the points than we were by the time we'd had three drinks. So go and have a read of that as well and have a look at the photographs. Okay, I think that's it. Enjoy part two of the Panacea Society. between Joanna Southcott dying and Mabel finding the blue pamphlet, there comes to be a kind of tradition, a religious tradition called the visitation, which is to do with, it's about people who've been spoken to by God and they tell of the coming millennium. And in this religious tradition, the visitation, Richard Brothers, the Canadian, is identified as the first prophet. He was the first to tell of the millennium and the new Jerusalem. Joanna Southcott is identified as the second prophet of the visitation. She continued the tradition. I'm afraid we're going to ignore the third to seventh prophets because we haven't got time. (laughs) What we're going to move on to is the eighth prophet. If you just think in that time of the hundred years between Joanna Southcott's death and Mabel finding the blue pamphlet, there's been another, you know, three to seven prophets. I'm surprised there's so few in all that time. There were, it's quite interesting, actually. I mean, there's like there are some conflicting prophets who are like, I'm the sixth prophet. No, I'm the sixth prophet. So there's a bit of back and forth about that. But what we need to do is get back to Bedford. We're whizzing to the eighth messenger, the eighth prophet. Mabel. This messenger was called Octavia. She was revealed in 1919 amongst a group of women interested in the history of the visitation and in particular Joanna Southcott's ideas. The eighth prophetess was, of course... Mabel! 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 Baltrop. Blopthrop. <laughs> Mabel Baltrop. Blopthrop. The eighth messenger of the visitation. But how did this come about? Last we heard, she was in a library reading a pamphlet. Blue. Pamphlet, brackets, blue. After Mabel had developed her interest in Southcott's writing, she found a group of other like-minded women, mostly middle class, well-educated... And while religious, somewhat disillusioned with mainstream Christianity. In part, these women were united by a campaign to open Joanna Southcott's box. Because <gasps> they thought everything's bad. Exactly. The beginning of the war, 
1914, there was a kind of renewed interest. So there was this this core group of South Cotians who'd kept alive this message, open the box, open the box. And they were like, if this isn't a time of national crisis, then what the shitting hell is? It's a war. This is a war across the globe. This must be the time of national crisis that Joanna Southcott it's meant. It's a time of global crisis. It's the mm. war to end all wars. Precisely. So the movement was growing in strength. And this kind of brought together a lot of these women. It gave them something to rally behind. It gave them like a purpose and a cause. And in doing so, they read a lot more about Joanna Southcott and they read a lot more about the visitation. And it was this that led to Mabel being named the eighth messenger. Mabel began to receive her own messages from God. She thought that she was being told messages, one of which, get the box open, another of which, the new millennium is coming. We need to, you know, get ready. We need to prepare for the new millennium. We need to create a new movement that helps people get ready was it, for the new millennium. Was it the same voice that Joanna had heard? Well, I'd like me to do a different voice. I'd like to hear that voice. But, I mean, it's all the voice of God, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think God hears sounds different in people's heads, okay, so now I'd like on. to hear how God how sounds did, How did Mabel, Mabel hear it? I'm just trying to think what the voice Mabel heard would be like. Mabel? <laughs> Open the box, Mabel. <laughs> and she thought that was God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that voice is so sinister. It's so sinister. <laughs> I mean, that's also weirdly sinister. Why are all your voices so sinister? The thing for Mabel was, she'd been in and out of asylums for a while. So she'd had a lot of voices. So, no. What I mean is, it fit in with her sort of her life. She was like, oh, I've had, you know, the this suffering, this kind of mental disturbance. This fits in with the narrative that I'm special and that I'm different and that I've, you know, actually, the reason that I find life a struggle and difficult is that I'm I'm not the same as all these other people I've got you know there's something I have to do I've got a special mission in life Debbie's back in town <laughs> no, more so Mabel grouped these women around her and through uh, strength of personality to some extent she kind of established herself as the leader of this group and it was actually another another person in the group called Emily who said Mabel is the eighth messenger and we will call her Octavia Mabel no more why for eight for eight the eighth oh, messenger Octavia she was seen as being, you know, too important. We get rid of her human you name. You can't really follow someone called Mabel. No, <laughs> maybe that a played bit, a part. A bit humdrum. Mm. Now, the last part of my presentation to you is all about how the Panaceans lived in their community and what they believed. Could this be the moment for a new drink? Hmm. Or should we... Do you want to get to a specific point in the in the story? No, I think it's now. I think this could be the point, because if you think so... Joanna Southcott, we know all about her. We know a bit about Mabel. And now Mabel is gathering together her followers. They're buying up properties in Bedford Mm. and they're creating their own community. Mainly women, but sometimes the husbands come as well. There's some like other people, you know, other kind of middle class people coming in and out. I mean, I quite like the idea of a group of women having nice houses and living. I like that too. I like that too. At that time when they're, you know, only just people getting the vote and stuff, it's nice to have a... You know, community yeah. of women, hopefully they're all supporting each other, being So nice. they're building the community. During the 90s, 
1920s and 1930s, it grew until it had about 70 residents living in the Albany Road area in Bedford, and it had about 2,000 members all around the world. So it's, you know, it's significant, quite significant. Mm. All around the world. Yeah, and they did a similar thing to Joanna. They So you had to basically kind of make a pledge and they would send you a... Badge. <laughs> badge. No, no one got a badge. Oh, the Pyramid of Bedford. Yeah, the box with the Pyramid of Bedford Oasis behind it. Yes, that's a great one. So they had members around the world. They had 70 residents. There's all sorts I could tell you about their lives, but first we're going to hear about their beliefs. I'm going to sprinkle in some facts about how they lived because it was a bit strange. A oh, bit strange. God, it's not free love, is it? Uh, exactly the opposite, Katie. Oh, okay. Mabel no was love. Mabel was very stern about oh. that. <laughs> Mabel hates love. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, no. She just she's she's there's a lot of rules in how they live. But let's hear about those in a minute. Joe will go and prepare the yeah. final drink. Katie will help. Do you want any help? Yeah. yeah. Joe has brought in the third drink. It's got. There's some cubes. I feel like there's something inside the, the ice cubes. And they're orange. They're orange. I got worried it was ham, but that's because Katie keeps making us eat meat, meat <laughs> drinks. <laughs> I did that I once. don't think it's ham. And now Prosecco's gone inside. So, ah, I can see now. It's like orange segments inside ice cubes. Yeah, and the cubes are boxes. The cubes are boxes. Tell us, Joe. So this is called Joanna's Box. Nice. So they were meant to be like little boxes of... Of prophecy. Prophecy. Because there were secrets hidden inside the boxes. Yeah. And these secrets were orange peel. But the ice cubes didn't freeze quite as well as I'd hoped. They froze quite well, from what I've seen. And now I can't entirely remember what's in the ice cubes. (laughs) Christ. It's it's like a ginny. Deliciousness. Ginny, ginny. Oh, it's... Oh, so it's Prosecco and ice cubes made of gin is what you're telling me. Yeah. Great. Like hedgerow gin. I think that's really Great. delicious. I like it. I like the idea of the ice cubes are a tiny box. But it didn't work quite as well as I I think hoped. it worked just oh, fine. I, I think they were Thanks, Joe. Yeah. And as the ice cube melts, the box is opened and the peel floats to the top. Yeah, there's a lemon peel in there, like a, a, wormy, a wormy future secret. Each melting cube like reveals a new Joanna's secret. <laughs> now we can hear about what the Panaceans Sorry. believed. They believed that their community in Bedford, and particularly the garden at the heart of their community, was the site of the original Garden of Eden. In Bedford? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... They believed it, and they believed it would be the basis for the New Jerusalem. Which well, is because they were there. It required some mental contortions, sure. <laughs> this yeah. was confirmed. Oh, that convinced that wherever they were in the world, as white middle-class people, there was going to be the new... Yes, because Octavia had this confirmed to her in several visitations. That's all right. Then. Bedford yep. is the place. <laughs> it will be in Bedford. The Garden of Eden was Bedford, Bedford. <laughs> all along. <laughs> oh, well, that's ah, really the joke's on you. It was Bedford all along. <laughs> that's what the voice said. That's what the voice said to Octavia. And so they built the massive pyramid of Bedford Oasis. Yep, <laughs> Point they to did. the heavens. The idea was that this was the... Because this had been the place where evil entered the world, this would or also... Bedford. Yes, this would also be the place that evil was defeated and cast out. Well, hang on, what's the big evil in Bedford? Is well, it like, no. Is it like Buffy? 
The Hellmouth. Oh, the Hellmouth. No, they're, so they're basically <laughs> they're doing that thing where you've got the conclusion you want and then you're working backwards. So they have decided that this place in Bedford where they have made their community is going to be the place where the new Messiah comes and the new Jerusalem is built. Therefore, to them, the logic is, oh, this means that this must be the Garden of Eden, the original Garden of Eden, because cyclically... Where evil entered the world, so evil will be removed from the world. So they've started with a conclusion and they've worked their way backwards, basically, from there. Lots of logic on show. If you follow the beliefs of the Panaceans, when you walk in the garden of the Panacea Museum in Bedford, you're walking in the Garden of Eden. You've been, was it? It was quite nice. Were you moved? Yeah, really lush. They obviously really look after it. Very lush. They water it even when there's a heat wave. Exactly. So that was one thing that they believed. They believed that their community in Bedford was going to be the kind of the birthplace of the new Jerusalem. That is fully bonkers. I mean, I was going to say, I don't want to criticise them too much, but I was going to the same place Joe's got to first. It's pretty bonkers. Is it just like a townhouse garden as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a nice garden, but it's not... (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a lovely old kind of really big house and then it's got quite a big garden but it's a garden in bedford sure and we've they established think that's the ultimate place of beauty and nature well no they think it's going to be where this is the seat for the new messiah so this is therefore where evil entered the world where it will be cast out you're not following the logic katie as well as being the eighth messenger of the visitation they believed that octavia was shiloh They believed Octavia was the Messiah who would bring about the new millennium. So they weren't, and none of this all, she's going to give birth to the Shiloh, to the new Messiah. They went full in. She herself is the new Messiah. Every day at 5pm, Octavia would sit and practice automatic writing. Do you know what that is? Yeah, when you just like do like reception writing and pretend that you're getting messages (laughs) from somewhere. Oh, hang on. When you say... When I hear reception writing, I'm thinking you're receiving yeah, no, well they are, something they, well, and you're writing like it out. It's like when you sit and write like a reception child, but you say it's all coming from another place. A reception child pretends to write and goes, oh, look, I'm writing. No, you're not writing. That's not words. And then that's what, like, they, they do that and they, they think they're getting messages and sometimes words come and sometimes scribbles come. And it's all yeah, like, that's yeah. That's what Octavia did. But yeah, like she, a reception child she believed and her followers write. believed she was getting messages from God that were coming out through this automatic writing. So every day at 5pm she'd do the writing and then at like 6pm they had made a lovely chapel in the garden and we've been in the chapel. It's lovely. It's like a really beautiful little chapel with lovely stained glass windows. She would go into the chapel and then she would tell her followers from the community, this is what I've been visited with this day. This is what I've learned. By all accounts, the meetings were quite jolly. So she would tell of the visitations, but apparently there was a lot of singing. There was a lot of laughter. It was quite a kind of informal fun experience every day that they'd have these chapel meetings what were the visitations saying though or what was what was coming out through the writing well it was confirming things confirming she was the messiah confirming about the garden of eden that's boring though if you hear that every day yeah a lot of it was to do with how they should live Oh, no. Their lives. No love. You could have love, but it was it was difficult. In other ways, she was a strict leader. In order to achieve the aim of living forever in the new post-millennium world, so the idea is, you know, how once we've entered the next millennium, how is it that you can be one of the people that lives forever 
in the next millennium. Panaceans had to go through a process that Octavia called overcoming. Oh, no. Uh, I don't like the sound of that. Well, it's not the worst, as some cults are, but it's not great. So they had to... You called it a cult again. That makes it sound really bad already. So when you say it's not the worst... Well, it's not fucking Jonestown. No one's having to die. It's not like living underground in a bunker for seven years. No, no, no. So no one has to die. No one has to live in a bunker. But what you have to do is basically overcome yourself. So your foibles... Your individual idiosyncrasies, basically the things that make you an individual, you have to overcome those things. To be what? To be able to join the new order, basically. But what do you look like? Well, you look the same, but your personality is basically almost erased. Octavia, why does she want that Because she's like, you have to get rid of your sense of self, which is common to a lot of religious ideas and cults particularly. But, you know, you're like, you erase any individuality, you erase your sense of self, and only through letting go of, like, your sense of self, your ego, your identity... That is what leads you to be able to exist in this kind of higher state. The biggest ego is still there, Octavia herself. Well, some would say you're right. And Octavia was producing rule after rule after rule. Tell us a rule. Do you know a rule? Well, I know. So you'll laugh. Some of the rules were very... (laughs) like weirdly middle class and fussy. So there were a lot of rules, for example, about how you should set the table. (laughs) That's very important in the new millennium. There were a lot of rules about housekeeping. Oh, she'd hate the fact I eat with the wrong hand. Yeah. Wrong hand. She would. There were all kinds of rules, though, about how the house should be laid out. There were rules about how you should conduct yourself. So, the kind of things you should say to people, the kinds of relationships you should have. You know, she wasn't that keen on people having sex within the commune. But she would kind of tolerate it if it was husband and wife, but she wasn't. She was like, really, what we need to do is stamp out these ideas of individuality and personal relationships and that kind of thing. That's so random, isn't it? Because she's like doing something quite alternative. Mm. Feminist. Yeah, for her time. And then reintroducing the rules on women. Mm. Yeah. And also what you won't like is that, unfortunately, Octavia and her society were quite homophobic. There was a time when there was a kind of a dapper American arrived in the community, keen to join the Panaceans, and Octavia grew suspicious after a few months that he was kind of fostering homosexual impulses within men in the community, and she rooted them out. Oh, God, that's horrible. So, I mean, in some ways you can appreciate what they were trying to do, and in other ways you're like, oh, Octavia, this is awful. But such as it is with many religious organisations... You know, you've got some unpleasant aspects alongside some kind of optimistic and hopeful aspects. It's very controlling, though. Yeah, and I don't want to just give you the impression it was a kind of idyllic paradise. It doesn't sound no. like it was at all. If you, if you have to eat with the right hand and sit up straight, yeah. then I'm screwed. She was really particular about the crockery. But also, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, um, Did she do the cheese course before the dessert or afterwards? <laughs> I don't know about That's the cheese key. course. Yeah. That's key. Um, so Octavia provided these huge screeds of rules of this is how you conform you had to conform you had to live in uniformity with with others but of course in reality people didn't follow those rules all the time so that octavia had her kind of ideal situation of how you would live but actually that wasn't always followed presumably some of them were still going out to work in bedford and stuff sure i don't think many of them were working that much because they were but maybe the husbands were someone's got to be 
Who's, or maybe it's family yeah, money. money. Well, they were wealthy from. women of means, weren't they? Maybe it's family money. Is that money, who but... she targeted? I don't think she targeted people. Having said that, they did make a printing press. Okay. She's well, they tar- bought a printing press and she's they printed. Targeting people. They printed and printed. Do you want to hear what else they believed? This is a nice bit. Okay. Okay. This is where the name the Panacea Society comes from. They believed that Octavia's position as Shiloh imbued her with healing powers which could be used to ease suffering across the world. And this is where the name the Panacea Society comes from. And actually, for the first few years of the society, they were called the Community of the Holy Ghost. And it was in the early 1920s they became known as the Panaceas. That's much better. They came to believe that if Octavia prayed over and breathed on water just, you know, shit munchers, run-of-the-mill water, it would become the panacea, it would become something that could cure, a magical elixir that could cure all ills. At first, only the residents of the community could receive the panacea. But soon they devised a method where Octavia could spread the healing around the world. And this was that she would breathe upon small linen squares and the squares would be soaked in the special water that she had prayed over. And these little linen squares could then be sent out to those in need around the world. And the instructions say you receive your little squares, you soak them in water and then you drink the water. And that's the panacea. I was going to say, how much do you have to pay for a square? You don't pay. Are you sure? You don't pay for the squares. You might make a donation, but you don't have to pay for the squares. The squares will be sent. So from 1923 right up until 2012, which was when the last surviving member of the Panaceas died, people across the globe were still writing to request the squares. But she's got no breath left. She's dead. But they've got the squares ready. Oh, my God, how many squares did she breathe on? (laughs) I don't know. I suppose if uh, she just breathed on a big bit of fabric and then they cut it up, breathe in the room with some fabric. If I was getting that, though, I'd want to know that was like 10 centimetres from her mouth. I wouldn't want to know that she'd breathed on... You'd want a a little selfie, his Octavia, (laughs) just breathing on the square. Making like a, hello, I'm breathing (laughs) on a square. Part of it's like if they really thought they were helping people, then that's kind... Part of it just seems like the biggest scam ever. So also, those squares of cloth, she mm. breathed on them. When did she die? Talk she about. died in uh, 1934. And they were still sending out squares? Mm-hmm. Into the early years of the 20th century. Ago, so it's a good saying, put that square of cloth that is 70 I don't years think, old I don't think in they... your water and drink it. I don't think they were sending out many squares by the end because That's... there were only one or two people left. That feels And they like... couldn't... Where are the leftover squares? There's some in the museum. I've seen them. How big are they? Tiny, like two centimetres by two centimetres. Is that why he doesn't speak anymore? They're cut with one of those... Um... <gasps> Serrated scissors. Serrated yeah, of course scissors. they are. <laughs> you can buy those at Hobbycraft. <laughs> so they're little like... I've got a yeah, set of like eight different ones at school. Maybe an inch. Maybe an inch. Inch by inch. Serrated edges, tied up in a little bundle. Why didn't none of us do a cocktail? Because you didn't know the details about the squares, and I was lazy. <gasps> I'd have been brilliant. <laughs> oh, my God, I really... Okay, we need... Oh, Next oh, time. Oh, because we put, imprint the cocktail with something different alcohol, and then you put the... Oh, yeah, yes. It sounds like this needs a lot of experimentation. So after this podcast, what we will be doing is cutting J-cloths up and putting different <laughs> alcohols on them and seeing what has the best effect. No, it must be linen. Yeah, we haven't got any linen. So Linen's too fancy for us. This is why they're called the Panacea Society. They were trying to send out squares to cure the ills of the world. I mean, that is nice. All, all ills. All ills. Or like specific 
bad. It, well, people wrote it's with not different letters. In the museum, you can see lots of the letters that people had written. It's not being gay, is it? No, 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 no. Physical ills. Okay, just checking. Mainly. I mean, they had their, obviously, problems with that. Yes, yeah, so I don't think what, they're giving you squares That's for not it. what they were for. Now, straight I want squares. to do another belief because it's a fun bit because it takes us back to the box. Joanna Southcott's box. The box, the box, the box. Of course, as followers of the visitation, they believed that the box should be opened. This was central to the formation of the society and it remained a core tenet for many, many years. So 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the time the box. Much of their activity was based around campaigns to persuade the church that the box should be opened. Where is the box at this point? Still just with a family? Still with a family. But they need the bishops. An old Southcottian. But... The old South Cottians have said, if the bishops will agree, we will bring forth the box to be opened. When? Well, whenever. Anytime when the bishops will agree. Bishops in a room. It can only be at a time of crisis. Oh, there's always oh a crisis, sure, yeah, though. but there's always First a crisis. World War, Second World War, yeah. COVID. There's, there's, a lot of... a, there's a lot of time in between those three things. But if you think, so the, the main formation of the panaceas was World War One. So that's the time of national crisis. No one can argue it isn't. Then there's a bit of a lull and then it's World War II. And again, they're like, come on. This is the time. This is the time. They only care about national. Well, that's what Joanna said. But, you know, that could... Short-sighted, isn't it? But also, if you're doing national, you couldn't... Well, mind you, 1700, she probably hadn't seen... You know, does she know there were other countries? Well, she should have had the foresight to think about the world. Mind you, she also knew about Canada. She knew about Canada. Maple syrup. Just before the empire. She was confused. She knew about France. But yeah. But then maybe also, I mean, if we're doing internal crisis, there have been a lot more. So the thing is, there's usually a reason you can say this is when we need to open the box. I, Margaret Thatcher, that's that, a reason yeah. to open the box. The Messiah cares about more than the UK. Well, you're right. They should, shouldn't they? Well, that's why it's hard to understand why they would come back in bed. <laughs> that's true. The society owned a magnificent <laughs> press. Very fine. And they used it to print up leaflets and papers, constantly trying to attract new members and drum up publicity in their quest to open the box. And they made loads of things that said, open the box, open the box. Oh my God, is that why they made that programme with Thingy Bob? Deal or no deal? Yes. (laughs) Our second podcast in recent days when we mentioned deal or no deal. Open the box. Um, they ran adverts in national papers. They paid for billboards in central London. They, but you can't open the box unless it's national crisis. What I'm telling you, Joe, is there's always a national crisis. There isn't, though. They attempted to sway public opinion to help pressurise the church into opening the box. I'll give you a year and you tell me a national crisis in it. Christ, OK. 93. 93? John Major? Yeah, Gulf War. Oh, oh, shitty. Yeah. Also, I mean, that was a really... Kurt Cobain's about to die. Is he our national crisis? Well, That's would, true. You said the Messiah has nothing about the world. He's really sad. Anything else? Come on, another year. 59. Uh, oh. um, Prague Spring, Czech Cup Rising, it's things not, like that. Not... Maybe, yes, but it's affecting what's happening okay. here. Okay. Also, I've actually no idea where those things happened. They just happened between... The Panaceans... Thought the book should be opened. That's all I can tell you. Such was their sureness in their task. They prepared several rooms at Castleside, which was the main house in Bedford at Albany Road. They prepared several rooms for the day when the 24 bishops would come. They fitted out bedrooms with fine linens and gathered the best crockery and furniture for the dining room. And those rooms still sit there. Oh, that's sad. 
sad. The bishops never came. The bishops never came because no, the maybe bishops. Just one bishop could come, like a really not nice enough, bishop. You need B&B. twenty-four. No, but I just what mean now, like a really nice bishop B and B. The AB. What about if the AB comes and knocks out maybe. twenty-four bishops? Because the bishops could not be seen to embrace this madness. This madness. <laughs> but to the panacea, one of the bishops. There's loose cannon bishops out yeah, there. Loose cannon bishops. You need twenty-four loose also, cannons. They need, they need C of E ones, don't they? That's the problem. You get loose queen. Cannons. We need to bring the Queen in. To the Panaceans, the refusal to open the box represented a rejection of their beliefs in the new Messiah and the coming millennium. And so because the box was never opened, they always remained religious outsiders. So the box is still not open. Where's the box now? At the museum? The box had remained in the hands of an old South Cotian family. When the last member of the family died in 1957, the box was left to the Panaceans. Now it is in a secret location... But there is a replica on display in the museum. What does it look like? Do you think that's the real uh, one? Is it a double bluff? Yes, a double a bluff. A double bluff. I'd say it's about a metre long wide. Oh, much bigger than I was picturing. It's a big box, so it's like a trunk. Oh, it's much bigger than I was picturing. If the prophecies are the same as in a fortune cookie. <laughs> think how many are in there. Or there's only three just laid out along the bottom <laughs> of the box. <laughs> And the box is massive. Is it a chest, like a pirate? Yeah, chest? kind of like a chest. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! That's yeah. much better than I was thinking. Has it got doubloons? No, only prophecies. But Chris knows oh, about. Hang on, she doesn't know. It might have doubloons in it. That's true. I've no and idea skulls. what's in there. But the pro- there's no promise of doubloons. Who knows if the prophecies even take the form of paper? Maybe they just seep up into your mind when the box is opened. Like in Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. And you'd open up the box and then the prophecies, they won't mark your face like Indiana they will. Jones. <laughs> they will. But they'll sort of like seep into your brain your and then you will... Your eyes will melt. Your... Or is it like Pandora's box? All the awful things of the world come out. Ah, and your brain goes... Ah! And everyone, well, everyone screwed. Pandora shouldn't have opened the but box. But then... But again, it's not her uh, the fault. Last... It's a woman being given a horrible task. Like, yes. The last puff out of the box is hope. I like the versions of the story where she slams the lid when the bad stuff's coming out and then something's inside going, please let me out, please let me out. And it's hope. And it's hope and she has to decide whether to do it or not. Because she doesn't know it might be something evil. But Does by she... that point, our eyeballs and our brains have melted. <laughs> no, it's not Indiana Jones. It's ancient oh. Greece and she's still beautiful, but she's just screwed the world. But it's not oh. her fault because, again, a woman's been blamed for everything. Why the hell yeah. was she given a box? Yeah, who put who all that shit inside that box? the box with Christ. all the evil to one little woman and went, oh, here you go. <laughs> Have all the evil of the world in a box. And the only thing you have to do is don't open the box. Even before that bit, why fucking give a human a box? Why put it all in the box? Anyway, so Joanna's box has never been opened, although Chris knows a story of Harry Price, who was a, uh, a ghost hunter, occult sniffer-outer, and he claims, I think in the 50s, that he had the original box, and he said that he opened the box to much fanfare. Whatever. Whatever, Harry Price. Where's the evidence? Exactly. Did you video it, Harry Price? And from what I've read, the lineage of Harry Price's box does not scan back towards the other boxes. But you think he did open the box. <gasps> Chris is being on. silent. But I thought the family gave up in 57. So what, did he suddenly find it in 58 or something? He just was like, I've got a box, it's the box. He basically, his whole thing was poo-pooing religion and belief supernatural belief so he wanted to prove that the box was made of nonsense 
So he claimed that he opened the box. And what was in that box? Like a bus ticket, some bits of scraps, you know. Bus tickets didn't exist in the 1700s. (laughs) Where were the doubloons? (laughs) And the skulls? They went there. But if you believe the Panacean Society, you know, the box never got opened. Well, it definitely didn't have a bus ticket in it, did it? So... No. The last thing I'll tell you is, so I've told you already, the Panaceans continued... The last member of the Panacea Society died in 2012. At that oh, point, the society was disbanded and the, the all the properties and the archives and everything was left and became a charitable trust which now runs the museum. But we will just get back to 1934. Yeah. This is when Octavia, the last messenger of the visitation... Died. Octavia died in 1934. Her death was met with disbelief by the Panaceans. Her followers kept the body for a number of days. Four. Four. Four days, keeping vigil over it in the hope that she would be resurrected. They couldn't believe it. So at first, only the very core members of the of the community knew because they couldn't bring themselves to tell everyone that Shiloh Octavia was dead. So they kept vigil over the body, hoping that she would rise. The third day passed. No resurrection had taken place. They admitted defeat and Octavia's body was taken away. It wasn't the end for the society. The Panaceans continued to live in the houses on and around Albany Road for over 70 years more, sending out healing squares around the world and trying to live in accordance with Octavia's doctrines of belief and overcoming. Cutlery. Do you know the belief bit I'm fine with, the overcoming bit I'm not fine with? The thing is, though, if you're going to say you can be part of a new world order, you have to have something that says this is why we can be part of that new world order and everyone else can't. Kindness and good deeds rather than cutlery. But I think those were sort of baked in. It was just that Octavia made rules for everything. She was mad for rules. But couldn't you say the same of God? Yes, but that's. Why I'm not an active Christian. <laughs> and you could say the same of religions that ask you going to eat certain meats and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about rules. Yes. I've got no defence for Octavia. I think it was a lot of it was quite balmy. But I think in other ways you Yeah, you think, well, to live in a community of, of women, educated women, living in accordance with a set of beliefs that maybe, you know, they're on board with. And as I say, I don't I think especially after Octavia died Membership grew, so Octavia died in 1934. For a decade or so, their membership kept growing and then it kind of declined, 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 declined. But I think especially after she died, they probably were just having a nice time in the commune. Mm. I don't think they would necessarily... All the rules were out by then. The rules, yeah. they like paid lip service your, to the rules. Whatever but... you want. <laughs> but I think they were, you know, keeping alive the central beliefs, but I don't think they were living so strictly... So I think maybe that was the kind of the happy years mm. of the Panaceans. But I think then you would have lost the that kind of central glowing belief that Joanna Southcott had and that Octavia had was that like the burning belief that they were so right in what they were doing, which must have really galvanised the communities, I think. Why were there no other visitation people? After Octavia? Yeah. I think that eight was the sort of scene to be the a sort of magical number almost and I think it just didn't the 20th century came it was full of other things 
Mm. New gods. Yeah, new gods, new gods. And all the, the new religious movements and the cults and things of the 60s and 70s. That's were, true, that's They true. were different belief systems. They were they were almost, you're leaving Christianity behind. Yeah. They were now you're the saying world. there's aliens, you know. you're. Yeah. It, it was kind of old hat, I think, almost. Once you get into the sort of the mid 20th century, to be clinging to those old ideas about messiahs and New Jerusalem and things is a bit old hat. Yeah, how know. does it compare to some of the modern cults? They are all a bit more. Well, I mean, I well, nowadays they're multi-level they? marketing schemes. Mm. Also, I have to say, I think it, like, it sounds far less intrusive. I mean, I wouldn't have liked this thing up straight and using the right cutlery, but it sounds far less intrusive and terrifying than some of the modern cults. Yeah, no one had to kill themselves. No. And no one have to give all their money and possessions. And no, although they did buy some lovely houses on Albany Road, but then they were living in but those. But they were living houses. in the house, and I presume yeah. they still owned the houses. No one said that they yeah. had to give up the deeds or anything. Mm, I think they gave up the deeds. Oh, okay. Who lives in those houses now? Well, some of it's the museum. One of the bits is the ark where they said that Jesus would live. What when happens he came. there? I got the impression it's rented out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone can live in the ark. I took a photo of the door because it says the ark above it, but I got the impression from one of the volunteers, I think it's rented. So someone's just living in Jesus's house. Wow. <laughs> Maybe they become Jesus automatically. Just yeah. for a year. Yeah. Well, or what, well, however long you live in the house, you're Jesus. Yeah. Maybe. But anyway, so it's, a, it's a, an interesting tale. What was your favourite part? I like the idea of a box that no one knows I what's like inside the, box. the secret That's box. Cool, we all like the secret box. I definitely am on board with the whole thing of it's brilliant that there's a religion led by women. Yes. Yeah, and like the beautiful that. aspect of it and the bit where you talked about them being happy at six o'clock and singing and being joyful. I'm a little bit concerned by their two crazy leaders and their bonnets, but generally... <laughs> yeah, bonnets. Yeah. Never trust a bonnet. No. But it's a crazy story and now we've heard it. What's the moral? Uh, uh, I don't know. Open the box, don't open the box. Get in the box? <laughs> <laughs> if you see a box, get inside. Or maybe it's like um the cat, you know. Schrodinger's cat. I know, I think that because it's like, well... Is the prophecy known or unknown? It's that kind of metaphysical yeah. conundrum, isn't it? Is it better if we don't know? Because then we can imagine what's in there without knowing. I'm quite clear that it's... Fortune cookies. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. That, that Just a massive box of fortune cookies. Good, yeah. good. Okay. That's the story of the Panaceans. Thank you, Rita. No it. one... Well, no, people did die, but they weren't murdered. But it was some religious weirdness for us. I enjoyed it. Good. I did too. I've got so much more information about it in my brain. But I will save that for a blog, which I will write <laughs> with all my information. It's nice to have you both back. Yeah, It was so much fun to be Thank back. Thank you for your crazy drinks. Recap, fortune cookie, jam face and Joanna's box. Lovely. Jam face. <laughs> and thank you very much for listening I hope you enjoyed the story if you are in the Bedford area or not too far from it I can honestly highly recommend a visit to the Panacea Museum it's absolutely fascinating I have only very very mildly skimmed the surface there's so much going on we just skipped over messengers three to seven I'll be honest, they were all men. I wasn't that interested. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's so much going on and it's such an interesting history. So please do go. They will love it. If you buy a book, they'll love you even more. Possibly don't visit the Oasis. It's quite shabby now. <laughs> what do you even... There's been talk about the Oasis all, all this time. It's what Bedford's famous for when we were kids. 
Bedford Oasis. What happens there? It's a massive glass pyramid with swimming pools and flumes inside it. Does it have a wave machine? Yeah, but we've taken, having taken Elvis in the last few years... I love a wave machine. It is the most shabby... Like yeah. run down. Are the waves only one meter high? The the glory. That's quite the high. glory. No, it's not. Didn't you go as teenagers? Like the no, glory. we went. Used to go to Haverhill. No Ipswich. Ipswich. We went to oh, Haverhill for the. Away. I've been to the Ipswich one. The Ipswich one's brilliant. Haverhill was like the classics. Just the swim. Haverhill's where I got stuck inside a um. You know those turnstiles where when you go in and out of somewhere <laughs> and you have to go in and out and I somehow got inside <laughs> a turnstile. <laughs> <laughs> because for some reason I crouched down when I was going through and then the turnstile like whizzled me into the inside part of the turnstile and I was on the inner I was in the box of the turnstile why did you crouch down <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being in there and I was really scared I was like why am I inside this horrible box of torture and then mum was like just push your way out <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then when we went to Ipswich, that's when we had the wave machine. So The Ipswich one's brilliant. If you go to Bedford, I can recommend not going to Bedford Oasis Pyramid and instead the Panacea. Okay, I think we'll end it there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Don't say like that. Like, thanks, Katie. No. <laughs> do you, I'll just do the voice one okay. last time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of God has spoken. Goodbye.